Hi, you're listening to Your Best with my nanny, Kathy Weckworth. Hi, this is Kathy Weckworth, Executive Director of Best Life Ministries, and you're listening to Your Best, a motivational, inspirational 30 minutes that will help you want to be your best. Hi, listeners. Today's topic is developing a healthy marriage. As a little child, I had a really encouraging pastor named Les Newell and his wife, Kathy. They began investing in kids the moment they arrived at our church in my hometown of Clorinda. I had never had a youth pastor before, and I had never known what it was like to have a pastor really invest in who I was and who I would become. Kathy and Les created events for the kids, and of course, he's the pastor who handed me the Bible at age 12 and said, Tag, you're it. Get practicing because we need a pianist for the congregation. One of the most valuable things that they did for us kids was they got us thinking about the future. They asked us to think about who we would want to marry when we grew up and how important it was to pray for that person. For me, I met and married a man from Bible college. Things didn't go so well for this little Iowa church girl, and after 20 years and a spouse living a double life, I found myself starting at the bottom of the ladder again. The world isn't really made for singles, and I felt awkward after all of those years of marriage. Looking back at that marriage, there were a lot of dysfunctional actions and unrealistic expectations. I was certainly too young and naive, and now time and mistrust had jaded me. And then I remembered it. I remember the way that Pastor Les had me praying for a spouse. After four years of divorce, I began to pray that prayer again. I thought about how the pastor had encouraged me. Life doesn't always turn around so quickly or so easily, but with the help of my friends and a pastor named Greg, I met the wonderful farmer Dean, a bachelor living in the middle of someplace fabulous, Benson, Minnesota. After we were married, it wasn't simple. You see, I was programmed to not trust. I was programmed to protect myself and my children, and at times I believe I was programmed for drama. Yes, I said that. One day, shortly after I was married, Dean said he was headed out to the field to combine. I didn't believe him. After 20 years of being hurt, I had a hard time with trust. My husband pulled me close to him and said, Look at me. That was then, and this is now. I'm not that man. I'm your husband now, and I love you. I'm not going to lie. When I say I'm in the field, I'm in the field. I began to cry. He said, look out the back window, and when I go by, I will wave to you each time and every time. And he did. When I would create drama or be overly sensitive, Farmer Dean would tell me, this isn't that old life. This is the new one. Let's live differently. And we did. Marriage is hard work. It's like going to a job each day and every day. You must put effort into it to get reward out of it. I know, because we work on it every single day. Some days they're hard. But for me, when I look in the rearview mirror and I look at my life now, I think marriage is pretty great. Thanks to God, and thank you to sweet Farmer Dean. Today, as we continue to focus on the topic of marriage, I have two of my friends and Best Life staffers, Gary and Susie Espold, here with me at the studio. We're going to discuss the topic of marriage. Gary is the associate pastor at First Baptist Church in Wilmer, Minnesota, and he and Susie have been married for over 35 years. Wow, I love that, you guys. It's fabulous. They have four children and two grandchildren. Gary and Susie travel with our ministry, teaching women about the value of investing in your spouse and marriage and developing a strong relationship that will last. Welcome, Gary and Susie. Thanks for inviting us, Kathy. It's great to be here. 
Yay! I'm so glad you're here. It's fun to have you right here in the studio. Gary, you and Susie talk at our conferences about the difference between how men and women look at things. And I really love this about Gary and Susie when they're with me, when they're with our ministry, they get to give that experience for women who are listening that you get to hear the men's side of things and the women's side. You use the terminology celebrate differences. What do you mean by that? Well, we live in a society in which our differences are not really embraced. Um, Polarization is certainly led by the political structure, but it flows all over the place. And so to identify and to celebrate one another's differences, and there's certainly a lot of them. I mean, after you've been married for a while, you find out that one of you is a morning person and the other one's night. There's always the war on the thermostat. Is it cold or hot? Um, There's the neat, neat, uh, neat nick and the slob. There's the passive-aggressive. There's just a long list of differences that all of a sudden start surfacing once you start living. Uh, Gary Chapman uses the term that there always is one babbling brook and another dead sea individual when it comes to conversation, one that can't ever shut up and the other one that hardly says anything at all. Uh, Those traits are who we are, and so we need to get to the point where we celebrate them, where we identify them, and we rejoice in the fact that that person is part of our lives. One of the things that Susie does is she has a wow list, a list of four or five characteristics that are positive and that I have, and so that when I irritate her, she'll draw those back up into her mind. Um, I do the same thing at home, or I do the same thing at work. Um, There are people who are different than me, but they have great gifts, and if I need to, um, or more than likely, they need to remind themselves of some of the strengths that Gary has. So it's just getting to the point where we recognize their differences, and then we rejoice and celebrate in them. I think that's great because for me, Farmer Dean, the way that the two of us met was that he sent me a funny email saying, if opposites attract, I hope that we're opposite. And we certainly are all the way from he's always hot, I'm always cold, <laughs> to the things that we like to do and see. And it's funny. So that's that's really encouraging. Susie, you and Gary teach five different love languages and that each person has a way that really gets through to them. What is your language? What's Gary's? And how have you learned to connect with each other through those love languages? We have really enjoyed Gary's Smalley's material, and we have um, used it for years as we've taught marriage classes and now being part of the Best Life Ministry, we get to teach it to women. And my love language is words of affirmation. He has five love languages that he identifies, and they are words of affirmation, acts of service, receiving gifts, quality time, and physical touch. Each of us must decide daily to love or not love our spouses. If we choose to love them in a way that our spouse feels most loved, it becomes more effective emotionally. Mine is love is words of affirmation. I am energized when given encouraging words, whether spoken or written. Gary learned this very early, even when we were dating, and would write me weekly a letter, and I still treasure those words, written words. Many couples have never learned the tremendous power of verbally affirming one another. And this includes verbal compliments, words of appreciation, encouraging words, words that inspire courage, and even just simple kind words throughout the day. Yeah, another love language is acts of service, where I'm looking to do something for Susie. Um, It might be the dishes, it might be laundry, it might be cutting outside the lawn, Um, I'm looking for ways to let her know. In fact, this is one of the biggest mistakes I made early in our marriage. 
Um, I saw acts of service as a way of sharing love in my mom and dad. It was my primary love language at the time. So the first five Sundays we're married, right? Susie's in the bedroom crying. I don't know that. I'm out doing the laundry. I'm out doing um, the lawn. I'm out doing the dishes. I'm just trying to catch up from the week of all the things that we didn't do because that's what my family did on Sundays. We came home from church and we tried to catch up from the week. Susie interpreted it not as a way of me showing my love for her. She interpreted it as me saying, you're not good enough. You don't measure up. So knowing someone's love language is pretty important. Uh, learning it an easier way than I learned it is probably wise. A third love language is receiving gifts. It's a visual symbol of love, and that's more important to some people than to others. We have one child who loves receiving gifts and feels loved by receiving them. If your spouse's love language is receiving gifts, you might have to change your attitude about spending money. However, someone who feels loved by receiving a gift really values the fact that you were thinking of them, and the gift is just a symbol of that, of that thought. It doesn't matter so much what it costs. What's important is that you thought of them. Another love language is quality time. This is Gary's love language and my secondary love language. The person whose love language is quality time wants undivided attention, doing an activity together that allows you to connect on an emotional level, taking a walk or going out to eat or just talking somewhere. One of our favorite activities together is canoeing. And the fifth one that he teaches that we also stress is physical touch. You know, research indicates that babies who are touched fare much better emotionally throughout their lives. And so the concept of hugging, of holding hands, of, of placing your show arm around your wife's shoulder um, is one of the primary ways of physical touch. Um, for the men who might be listening to this, um, it doesn't involve not just sex. It involves physical touch. I can remember when we first learned this, I came down into the laundry room and I put my hand on Susie's shoulder. And she stared at me like I was an idiot, which is probably a, an accurate way. Um, but eventually she said, what are you doing? And I said, I'm practicing my non-sexual touch. Right? And I was doing a pretty good job now that I think about it. That's great, you guys. Isn't it interesting, listeners, because Farmer Dean and I have those same love languages. I am a person who is words of affirmation. I like to have people tell me, you're doing a good job. And Dino is somebody who will show you that he loves you by mowing the lawn or doing some fabulous you know, work, whether he's fixing something at the church or our home. So I like to think about that as the different love languages. And as you're thinking, listeners, about your spouse, begin to see in your mind and, and think about how they act. How do they respond? What is it that relates to them? Gary, so often couples can't seem to get past fights. You have taught that couples need to fight fair. So can you explain that concept to us? Yes. Let me start with a simple statement. Conflicts are not a sign that you married the wrong person. Conflicts are a sign that you are human. Right? And so just anticipate those. Um, now, they have the potential, conflicts, they have a potential to destroy an evening or a day, but they also have the potential for you to display the depth of your love and your support, uh, your encouragement, and at times your sacrifice for your spouse. So, I suggest you discover a healthy game plan, a focus. Um, here are some suggestions. You can check these off. Focus on one issue at a time, not several. 
Focus on the problem that you're facing, not the person. Focus on the behavior, what's being done, not the character of the individual. Focus on specifics and not generalizations. Um, don't go, you always, right? The last three, four times, you always, you know, no, stay with the specific situation that you're dealing with. Right? Focus on facts, not motives. Right? Don't try to interpret what the other person did and why they did it. Just deal with the facts. Stay with I statements, not you statements. I feel, I felt, I did, not you. Stay away from those. Right? And then focus on understanding that the relationship is a lot more important than winning the conflict. Mm -hmm. Gary, that sounds like such great advice. It still makes me not want to fight, but thank you for giving those good tips. Susie, you and Gary spend a lot of time praying for each other, and I love that about you because I think that's so effective. How do you see this affecting your marriage? It is very, very valuable. A mentor early in my married life taught me the value of praying for Gary. Prayer does several things, one of them being it removes my selfishness. Another is that it takes my thoughts captive. And it, then the third is that it draws me into God's design, creating unity between Gary and I. We pray for each other every day. We use verses along the way that we found in our spiritual journey. And the reason this helps remove selfishness is because I personally cannot go to prayer which is conversation with the Lord, without first confessing what's in my heart, whether it's sin or fear or anxiety. I also pray for Gary when I know he's stressed out or not communicating. I have learned to go to prayer for him if he does something that possibly offended me, believing in the love he has for me and that there must be a struggle within him that I need to be praying for. He jokes that he actually taught me how to pray and to creating me the ability to be a prayer warrior because he just annoyed me on purpose. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> I would encourage women to stop battling your husband with words and battle for your husband in prayer. I need to be praying for all of the things that are going on within him as well as what God calls me to pray through, through his word. We often need to remember that we need to cry out to the Lord for a husband rather than to our mother or our girlfriends, in which case we possibly slander our husband, or worse yet, to our kids. I love the concept of women thinking about using their words towards God to pray for their husband instead of using their words angrily against their husband. Gary, when you're encouraging young men and women to choose wisely when considering marriage, what do you tell them to look for in a spouse? Well, after listening to Sue's, I tell them immediately to look for someone that will pray for them, because uh, <laughs> I know the impact it's had upon me and our relationship with one another of her going to the Lord on my behalf. And so that's the first thing. But really, you are marrying into a family, and you need to be aware of that. A family that has expectations, it has history, it has a pattern of behavior, and so your spouse has been influenced by that, and so have you been. And then as you are dealing and getting more serious in your relationship, then you need to deal with things like the history, your history. So he or she has a sense of who you are, uh, the history of the family dynamics, your own personal goals. That's something that should be shared and verbalized and wrestled with. Your own spiritual habits and beliefs. Right? Not that you won't grow, not that you won't change, but you need to be honest with one another about where you are right now. 
And then I think it's important that you also talk about your financial and your sexual history. If you have a large debt, right, or if you are a spender or a saver, your partner-to-be should know that. Right? And if you have been sexually active, you owe that to let your partner-to-be uh, know your history and that you two then, when you start together, are starting somewhat on the same ground. Great advice. If you're just tuning in, we're talking with Gary and Susie Espold, two of our Best Life staffers who specialize in marriage training and retreats. Gary and Susie have been married for over 35 years and have learned a few things about what works and what doesn't. They strive to encourage couples to stay strong and work through difficulties. Susie and Gary, every one of us have days where marriage seems like it's a lot of work and marriages are faced with really difficult issues today, like job loss or financial stress or cancer, pornography affairs, or addiction. What can you tell the listeners that would really encourage them today about what God says in regards to developing a strong marriage and safeguarding your relationship to remain strong through tough times? When we first began teaching about marriage, one of the verses that really caught my attention was a verse in Colossians 3, 12 through 14. And it's actually Paul's instructions to the church about holy living, But because I was focusing and studying about marriage, I read it with a different set of eyes and was kind of caught off guard about, wow, can I even do this in my marriage? And it says, Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. And I thought about living those out as a wife and as a partner for life. And then it continued, bear with each other and forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another. Forgive as the Lord forgave you, and over all these virtues put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. I knew then as I was studying that this was a big, big task, and it was beyond my ability to do as a person and as a wife. And then I remembered our vows. In our marriage vows, we had a little phrase in there that said, Jesus in me loves you knowing and admitting that we were, as humans, incapable of loving each other the way that God designed us to be loved, and therefore we needed the Lord's help. And this was a perfect reminder to me that God's Word is really set up for us to learn from how to love each other. And you can't talk about, let me just highlight one thing that Sue's already talked about, forgiveness. You can't be in a relationship with another person where you're not going to have to exercise forgiveness with one another. And so that is just top of the list of things that we need to do with one another according to Scripture. And I'd close with one of Susie's favorite passages where it talks about, think about whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely. Now listen, hang on. Whatever is admirable, excellent, or praiseworthy, we can control where our mind goes. And when you're living with someone else, there will be times because you're tired, you're weary, or they're tired and weary, that you irritate one another. And those are the times that you need to make conscious choices that I'm going to dwell on the positive. Um, And so those are some of the words that come to my mind. Thanks so much, listeners. That was Gary and Susie Espalt, and they're part of our staff at Best Life Ministries. We're so glad that we had you here today. Thanks for being here. Thanks for having us, Kathy. One of the things that makes me laugh the hardest is listening to kids talk about love and marriage. Here are a couple of my favorites that I jotted down. Tommy, age five, said, once I'm done with kindergarten, I'm going to find me a wife. I love that. He sounds like he's from Benson. Here's another one from Kenny, age seven. 
It gives me a headache to think about that kind of stuff. I'm just a kid. I don't need that kind of trouble. I love it. And last from Leo, age seven, falling in love is like an avalanche. You have to run for your life. Listeners, it's easy to take for granted the fact that you met, fell in love, and married someone. The day in, day out of life gets monotonous, and at times you forget what it was like before you were ever married, especially as the years go by. But the best thing you can do for your marriage today is tell your spouse you love them, you appreciate them, you are grateful that they're on this journey with you. Tell them that you are so happy that God blessed you with them. Here's Blake Shelton with God Gave Me You. I've been a walking heartache I've made a mess of me The person that I've been lately Ain't who I want to be But you stay here right beside me And watch as the storm blows through And I need you Cause God gave me you for the ups and downs God gave me you for the day
If you're married, you have to work at it. It's just that simple. I often tell Farmer Dean, do you know what I like about you? And he'll ask me, what? Thinking it's a new answer. I tell him everything. But the truth is, no matter who we spend time with, our parents, our best friends, our kids, or someone we think who walks on water, you have to work at getting along with everyone. Friends, one day not so long ago, my fabulous Aunt Mary emailed and told me that she was mailing over a packet of some love letters that my Grandpa Herbert wrote to Grandma Thelma, and I was so excited. The letters neatly stored these some 86 years, once owned by my grandmother, were written by a man I had never known, as he died when my daddy was 15 and when Aunt Mary was 7. As I looked at the top of the letter, it read, Moorhead, Minnesota, May 19, 1926. I began to read and was thrust back in time, as I could see the face of this man from the pictures I had memorized and could almost see him writing his beloved little Thelma. He had traveled with his brother Walt to a neighboring town trying to get work. My dearest sweetheart, one letter began, I want you to be with me and didn't go to sleep for a long time last night. I will get ready for you by next week if the Lord is willing. The letters continue to tell how his work is going and he says, well, sweetheart, I'm real lonesome. There's a baseball game, but that costs 50 cents, which is too much. So we, he and his brother Walt, don't go. Wish you were here to go with me, your lonesome boy, Herbert. The letters continued on as they shared the day-to-day -day life he was experiencing without his sweet love, my Grandma Thelma. She saved them. She treasured them. Because the passion and love that my grandpa had for my grandma was the same passion and love that I saw in my mother and father. It was so encouraging. That kind of love makes you feel safe and secure, a love that loves fiercely and mightily, a love that accepts, encourages, and fosters relationship. Scripture tells us in 1 Corinthians 13, 3-10, If I give everything I own to the poor and even go to the stake to be burned as a martyr, but I don't love, I've gotten nowhere. So no matter what I say, what I believe, and what I do, I'm bankrupt without love. Love never gives up. Love cares more for others than for self. Love doesn't want what it doesn't have. Love doesn't strut, doesn't have a swelled head, doesn't force itself on others, isn't always me first, doesn't fly off the handle, doesn't keep score of the sins of others, doesn't revel when others grovel, takes pleasure in the flowering of truth, puts up with anything, trusts God always, always looks for the best, never looks back, but keeps going to the end. Love never dies. That's taken from the Message Bible. Listeners, you might have the best marriage ever, and you may even be celebrating years and years of being together. Or maybe today you feel discouraged because you seem to be getting further and further away from your spouse. Perhaps someone else is looking really good right now, and you have yourself convinced that person is a better match. Well, they're not. Because remember what I told you, getting along with anyone is work. Take some time today to really look at who you're married to. Look at that marriage. Think about why you loved that person in the first place. Take a look at yourself and ask yourself, how hard are you working on this? How much time are you investing? What's your attitude like? Is it one of love and respect? Would you be writing love letters like Grandpa Herbert if you had a free minute? 
Let me pray with you today. Dear Jesus, today I pray for marriages. I pray for husbands and wives who are working hard to get along and make a life together. I pray that you will give them patience and endurance. I pray that you will help them to be sacrificial, forgiving, and grace-filled. And Lord, I pray that if there's someone out there who's angry, I pray for you to begin to work in that marriage. If there are people who are abusing their spouses, I pray that you'll help them draw an end to that lift them out. If there are people who are feeling pulled into affairs, I pray that you'll help them get out. Lord, help us to safeguard our marriage and help us to always look for the best, never look back, and keep going to the end. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, listeners, I'd like to welcome a new affiliate to our show, and that's KDIO Ortonville, Minnesota. Welcome. I'm so excited that you're listening. If you missed any of the previous shows, feel free to log on to iTunes at Kathy Weckworth, your best, and catch up with me. For more encouragement and hope, log on to our website at bestlifeministries.com. And for more information about me, you can log on to kathyweckworth.com. Hey, thanks for being with us today. And until next time, I encourage you to go out and be your best. Yeah.